come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I am your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. I'm your poltergeist, Mac. And this week, we have finally watched the 1986 body horror classic, David Cronenberg's The Fly. So, uh, one, if you haven't seen it, just pause this and come back, because we're going to probably be all over gross spoiler territory, lickety split. Uh, so let's go around. Bad <laughs> phrase, lickety split. Any other week I would, any other week I'd let that one go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you seen it before? Here's the thing. I made a tactical mistake. Um, I had watched both 1958's Vincent Price's The Fly and Jeff Goldblum, Cronenberg. Is this a Cronenberg? Mm -hmm. I should know the answer to that. This is a Cronenberg film. Um, I had watched them both in the way back, but I decided before this, I would watch them both. So Friday night, I watched 1958's The Fly, and last night I watched 86's The Fly, and that was a mistake, because I don't remember hating 86's The Fly until I watched them close together. That was a mistake, because now I don't like 1986's The Fly. Because uh, 1958's The Fly is really good. It's a really good old movie. You know, it's really good. And now I don't like this film, which I don't remember hating before. So in my little notebook, I have written. Oh, no. For the listening audience, she, uh, in very large letters, wrote sucks and underlined it. Yeah. So I think if you want to watch both these films maybe watch them in the other order watch them in reverse timeline order or put a good space between them i think that would be your best bet there okay. that's donna's advice i'll mildly agree uh only in the sense that i still have not seen the vincent price fly but it's on the list i've got the big shout factory box set uh what i did i slightly altered the the strategy donna had i watched the jeff goldman fly and then i watched the fly 2 i had never seen the fly 2 and i was like oh the fly 2 is a lot worse than 86 <laughs> is the fly so this is a working of towering genius but it's one of my favorite movies so donna and i are gonna have a fight by the end of this um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had not watched it in several years. I, I had we obviously hadn't done it on the podcast, and I hadn't written a review of it, so it's been at least five years or so since I'd watched it last. And it holds up for me. Like I am, uh, I like I am literally on the edge of my seat watching this. My pulse is pounding with the baboon and all of that, and just like you know, it's gonna be bad, and then it is bad. Um, yeah, I. Uh, in in the horror pantheon, I'd probably put it in my top ten of all time. So, so I like this film. I've seen it before, um, but I need to point out that this film has gotten me in trouble twice, and I'm so glad that Mac was the one that suggested this movie at our summit meeting because if I had suggested it, I feel like it would just continue the pattern. 
which is, I saw this once again at a very young age, right when it came to home video. Um, and in fourth grade, when they suggest, our librarian was suggesting, hey, uh, let's, you guys have earned a movie through me. What do you guys want to watch? Write down your suggestions. <laughs> fourth grade Kenzie went to the fresh out of college librarian who was lovely. She was one of my favorite librarians and suggested the fly. And she had to have a conversation with me why probably not appropriate to watch the fly in class. Oh. I thought that story was going to go another way. Like the librarian didn't know what they were getting into. Oh, no, no, no. That's said, why. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's why I, I stated, that's why I stated she was very young, fresh out of college. Uh, and then a year later, I was at a slumber party and my friend said, oh, our mom says we can watch anything on our VHS shelf. Anything we can watch at the slumber party. Once again, it's like, oh, let's watch The Fly. We had just started it before it gets crazy. And her mom comes in and is like, no, you guys cannot watch that. This woman, to this day, when I see her, brings that up. This was <laughs> 30 plus years ago. So that's why I say this film gets me in trouble. I like it. It's <laughs> I do enjoy it. And it's probably been a good 10 years like you, Mac, that since I've watched it. And it, it, it held my attention. But yeah, so I was glad you suggested it, not me. <laughs> Though for those of you who don't know what the fly is about, and just to uh, let you know, our good good buddies at IMDb and Max Nemesis want you to know that a brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes horribly wrong. But also, it, it, it's the only Star Trek prequel you ever need. <laughs> <laughs> But also, also, the last time I tried to watch this, this was several years ago, I was watching it on HBO Go. This was before Max, before HBO Max, before, 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 before. And the, the platform was so bad that it kept skipping around and rendered it unwatchable. So at that point, it's a movie about a guy and a gal and a baboon who orders some Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun little comedic comedy ro yeah. romantic comedy that's what i'm trying to say it's a fun little romantic comedy you know and it, it's even more adorable when this is a reason jeff goldblum and gina davis started dating and eventually mm -hmm. got married that was because of this movie so you add in that layer that's that's adorable that's that's precious i like that to goldblum's credit their marriage did not last but she has nothing but nice things to say about him yeah yeah, I, like I, I think he is, like he, he, he is such a sexual being that I don't think marriage was the right container for him. And even his ex-wives are like, you know, I had to let him go. Like he, he's Goldblum. Like you can't keep the magnificent bird caged. I, it was, it was killing him. <laughs> Sometimes you set things free. You love yeah. something so much, you set them free. That kind of ties into. The uh, editor, Billy, was reading some trivia about it, and the animal trainer on set uh, basically said, you can't train a baboon. So the reason the baboon is acting the way that it does is that Goldblum just dominated him and just was like, yeah, he's the alpha. So I'm sitting here going, damn, Jeff. You I know? believe it. That, that is not a sentence I expect. Of course, I have, I have today Jeff Goldblum in mind. 
And I think even today, I don't think age has dulled his <laughs> fundamental charisma. No, I mean, I if you watch the apartments commercials that he does, you're like, I'd I'd rent an apartment if that guy said, you know, was yeah. telling me about it. Yeah. I don't know. I love and adore him. I just think of him now more as a kindly grandfather than a sexual dynamo. Sexual dynamo, yeah. Definitely full of charisma. Do not get yes. me wrong. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. denying okay. his yeah. fundamental charisma 20. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying he he was a lot. He 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 never I never mind. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. He's not he's not as conventionally cute as he used to be. Oh no, he's cuter. Okay. Um, so now I'm now I'm really confused. <laughs> what what happened to Gold Bloom? <laughs> I'm going to put my foot in my mouth and it's going to go all the way to the knee and then I won't be able to talk anymore. So let's just bear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so he's sexy grandpa. Yes. He's with same, sexy he, grandpa. Sexy grandpa. Okay. Yeah. Yes. He has sexy grandpa. All right. Okay, so I, I think we're in agreement that even with age, the the fundamental Goldblum flame may have changed, but does not lose its luster. Yeah. It doesn't lose its luster. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now that we've got that settled, we. <laughs> <laughs> Those people in the apartment commercials are not alarmed that Jeff Goldblum just suddenly showed up. Okay. Okay. I think that you may have hit. I think if young Goldblum showed up, I might be a bit more alarmed. Ah, there's a there's a a dangerous quality to young Goldblum that has been worn away. And now only the, uh, the handsomeness and the sexual mm -hmm. charisma remain. See, I never yes. got the danger from him, but that's okay. That's okay. This movie has a danger quality. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. But I if also. Seth Brundle showed up in your apartment. Oh no. Seth Brundle. Yeah. Concerned? Oh, Seth well, Brundle. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. What phase of Brundle are we talking about? <laughs> yes, if Brundle Pod showed up, I would be visibly alarmed. Let's let's get because because we've we've we've, we've done this twice now. It's still Brundlefly Pod, Brundlefly. Pod. Uh, the the production referred to it as Brundle Pod or Brundle Thing at that final oh, phase. Okay, Brundle I'm Thing. Their, I will I will accept. Okay. I like I'm using their terminology. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, fair. Yeah. Okay, now. I will say this, I like, even before he's, even before he became Brundle Fly, let alone Brundle Pod, or excuse me, Brundle Thing, Seth had some red flags, like, I was uncomfortable for Ronnie at that first interaction when she came to his house, like, his apartment, like, some of the, like, I know he's trying to be charming, and there's trying to be jokes, but... I was visibly concerned. Yeah, for, I was like, at the point he said, "I'm not going to let you leave alive." I'm gone. I'm like, like girl, I'm in met danger. You Ten minutes ago, goodbye. Yeah. On paper, yes. From Goldblum, I almost get it. I'm like, go ahead, Gina, do your Gina thing. I mean, I will. I do. I think it works better because it is him. Yes. I don't think. I don't think other actors could pull off that. I think other actors, it would come off, especially of that era, would mm -hmm. come off as very menacing. Where you don't want Rundle at that point to be menacing. Right. There are there were a number of people hovering around it. If I remember from my trivia, I think Keaton at one point was on the list. 
he would well, have been threatening the whole time. I love the man. I have see, an altar and, and, to him just off camera. But and see, to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll come back to your house, Keaton. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah you know, sure. You bet. <laughs> Not a problem. I think Richard Dreyfus was like really close to it at one point, but didn't want to do the prosthetic work. Um, I mean, it's a lot of prosthetic work, so I get it. Uh, Malkovich was right at the top of the oh, choice. Oh, see, to me, he would have been menacing the whole time. Like, I couldn't He's have... never not been menacing. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, um, Lithgow. Lithgow could, might could have done it. I think I, I, Lithgow I, definitely could have. I think he could have played the fly aspects of it. I don't. I have a hard time believing him as a romantic lead. Have you watched World According to Garp? It's been many years, but still. He has that warmth with that, with, and I can't remember the character's name but there's a there's a warmth where i i think he could have and then same thing like terms of endearment he he's very warm in terms of endearment you he could have done it um and he could have definitely done the menacing turn at the end but oh yeah no he like the the transformation mm -hmm. the dehumanization that would have yeah. been right in his wheelhouse but yeah. uh uh and then uh mel brooks producer mel brooks cuz this is a mel brooks production uh it wanted Pierce Brosnan for the role, which I think the opposite of Lithgow. I have a hard time believing him doing the fly bits, but I absolutely believe Gina Davis would go home with him. That would have been, oh man, like Remington Steel Pierce. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> the almost would be, but not quite James Bond at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody in the audience would have went home with that Pierce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh... Oh yeah. That's to me that's like the always what I find certain films that I always find fascinating like the actors that almost get the part just imagining what they would have brought to the role how it would have been different and just different people's reactions and it's just as you were reading, you know. Yeah. The the contenders is like, "Oh my gosh, like that's wild." Yeah, that that the the different versions of the scientist mm -hmm. would have been Yeah, cuz Keaton would have definitely had the manic the manic oh, yeah. scientist, but he can also, and he could turn on the menacing pretty easily, but I think he would have, I think he could have done the charming. I think, oh, and now sure. maybe that's, that's, maybe that's my bias. Maybe that's my, my, my 1989. But there's bias. a, you know, whether the romantic part of it works or not, the, the twitchiness that is essential to Goldblum, I think, it, you know, it, it seems the perfect casting in, in retrospect because mm -hmm. he, like, you know, with Christopher Reeve, you'd believe a man can fly. With this, you believe a man is very close to a fly. Yeah, that was good. That was that good. Is good. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and I do agree. I think the his his twitchiness does help with that. Like, especially just like him messing with his nails. Like, oh yeah, it, it's not all makeup that makes yeah. this. It, it, there is a fundamental. Like he he got what the performance assignment was. And exactly. augments it to to complement each other. Yeah, I mean, also, but he always understands the assignment. Let's just let's let's be honest. Like he yeah. he always understands the assignment. <laughs> and is always ah ah ah. So I'm a scientist again, and uh, ah there's dinosaurs, and ah yes danger, and uh, uh, yeah that'll be good. <laughs> Can we talk about just the how body horror this is? Can we talk about the body horror aspect of this? Because 
it is the most mainstream body horror movie i i would say like this is the one everybody or most people have seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i yeah. agree with that because and it's it is interesting and editor billy pointed this out because he watched this with us he was like because you saw this as a child he goes and the parts that grossed you out as a child still gross you out as an adult he goes i he goes i and he goes that is because it was it was the same the same stuff like when when he throws up on and on the food i'm like you know uh the That's inside out bad. baboon yeah and like, then she hugged him okay okay so okay i gotta talk about yeah. this i gotta talk about that i do have a note about that she kisses the open wound on his back like gina this is the height of the aids epidemic baby girl like I'm not saying height, don't well height of not understanding the AIDS epidemic. Okay, all right, I'll give yeah. you okay. Yeah. This is this is this is Reagan's blunder with the AIDS epidemic. So that there this was also a, after a marathon uh, unprotected sex session. So it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, I science mean... journalist Veronica Quaife was hip to what was supposed to be happening. But it's that was my it's like it's like I, I'm taking into context when this was. I'm like that mm-hmm. is an open wound. You can see that it is. It is still open and kind of oozy. To be fa- yeah, yeah. To be fair, if this was released in '86, it was probably finished in '85 and would have been written in '84ish. Yeah, yeah. Or early even earlier. Yeah, it might yeah, have had a couple so, of years of drafts. Yeah. And but so I they think were that's really an- finding out about the AIDS, what they didn't even know to call AIDS. Yeah. You know, in the early. So yeah, th- that's plausible that we weren't thinking about AIDS at the time this thing was written. Uh, no, but I like that the body horror in this works. Uh, am I using the right term? Allegory for disease. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. you can you can use the AIDS ep- epidemic for an example, cancer for an example. Like I like that you know this was 1986 and it still resonates yeah. with that and it still works because there's a lot of humanity with how Ronnie is with him. When he's getting full Brundlefly, and I, I, th- I, I think that's the strength of the film. I think you hit upon something, Kenzie, there because it's often cited as like an AIDS parable, and Cronenberg skewed that. Not, I, I think, for exactly the reason we're talking about, because at the time it was made, understanding what that was was not there yet. It was just beginning to be understood, and uh, he just took it as a metaphor for any disease. It could be a cancer metaphor. It could be any kind of fatal degenerative disease. Yeah, I don't buy it. By what? The disease the allegory at all? Oh. Cronenberg saying that. I think he yeah. might have. I think, I don't know. I, I've had, okay. I, I'm i not convinced. I think he was, he didn't write it, did he? No, it was written no. by. I think he altered the script heavily once he came on board to be more Cronenberg-y. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he he rewrote it pretty heavily after he came on, but still left credit for the original screenwriter. So good for him because he stated like he wouldn't have gotten anywhere on this without the original framework. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So does anyone have their uh, a favorite gross out moment of this movie? Since we're talking on the body horror, one that just either gets them or one that was like, oh, that was really well done. Well, you know, of course, the first moment is the first baboon. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, I wouldn't say that's my favorite because I'm I'm pretty annoyed about it. But uh, <laughs> it is the first point they put in your face 
okay, here's what you're getting. It's a pretty big shock. Uh, the baboon, I think, is pretty gnarly. I think just the scene of him peeling off his fingernails is is like, yeah, on edge stuff. And then there's one big moment where, but we'll talk about that in rules. It's not the rule, but it is a rule. So mine is is definitely, and I know it, it comes from because it 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 freaked me out as a kid, and it's still it's it's when it's at the very end when he he's incapacitating Stannis and mm. and he throws up on his on on his hand and then on his leg, and I'm like, holy crap, what the f? did I just see <laughs> like that one that one still and then goes for the face yeah and he's oh man yeah oh gosh yeah it is a yeah that one just even talking about it I mean all I love all the ones that are mentioned and I mean but that one that's just that's what cemented in my head so what you're saying is Donna though was that accurate what the inside of a baboon looks like uh well, no, it wasn't. But now here's what got me is okay, the the machine doesn't understand flesh. All right, whatever. But but if it can put together there's no there's no magic about living tissue, okay? There's no there's no significant difference between something being alive and being not alive that makes its structure so much harder to put together okay so like if it can put together a stocking there was no demonstration to show us that it still worked but he was so confident when it went through that i'm i believe that the stocking would still function as a stocking so if it put that stocking together well enough that he was confident that it would still work as a stocking it should have been able to put the baboon together well enough that it still looked like a baboon now i'm willing to believe that it could not put the baboon together well enough that it would still work as a baboon in other words i'm willing to believe that baboon wouldn't survive because there are functions that still need to be able to work electricity and you know things i'm i'm totally willing to believe that life can't survive but I don't believe that it couldn't put something together that looked like a baboon there. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a shock moment that doesn't even kind of follow the internal science of the, the absurdity of mm -hmm. it. I, I, I can grant that, but I'm so fucked up when I see that baboon that I'm not thinking that clearly when I see mm -hmm. uh, the undone baboon. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's fair. And and the only explanation for that is that there's something so weird about living tissue that the computer just can't understand it. No, no, no. And no. We, we didn't we didn't really examine. Did we examine the stocking after it came out? No, he just and, yeah, he just yeah. left it there, and then they had the conversation. Because I mean, you could have picked it up, and then it just like falls apart, like it's been out like in the sun or something, and it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, fallen apart uh, on some. It's not keeping together like it should that could have had, happened if they had but, done that moment then i might believe the baboon in retrospect more mm -hmm. but if it was going to do that he wouldn't have demonstrated it i mean he was confident yeah. enough in his True. machine so. well and, and and you know it's still a scientific breakthrough at that point exactly it's, it, it, it it's, would absolutely revolutionize freight mm -hmm. not human transportation 
Yeah, exactly. The the fact that we could transport non-living materials. Yeah, any non-biological right. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we were talking about uh, as we were watching this. Editor Billy and I were was just that alone the the uh, the inanimate transportation aspect of it. How much that would change everything from ports to mail to you know, like you could have a you know. If it was too expensive, you know, everyone have a pot in their house, you could have a distribution center, mm-hmm. you know, in like a neighborhood or a place to pick it up. Like yeah. just that ramifications alone would have just changed everything. Well, put one in Los Angeles, St. Louis, New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've changed the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've changed the United States, but right. you know. but you could still do, you know, you know, globally do that in other, you know, major cities and countries. And that's still, you know, it, it's it's crazy. Like the fact that he was like, that wasn't good enough. It's like that would have revolutionized a lot. And so, like I mentioned, I watched The Fly too. not a good movie, but they're still trying to figure out exactly what he did. Like, guys, you're a multi-billion dollar corporation you found a gold mine just run with it like oh let's go let's put a dog in there why (laughs) why ship tools ship machines exactly yeah Yeah. you've you've already become trillionaires yeah yeah already now i get like Seth Brundle's obsessive, like, oh, it has to work perfectly. And then, and, um, uh, if there's a person in the uh, pod, then, uh, then I'll, uh, uh, well, I'll be there. (laughs) I do like, and I, and it's something I didn't notice the many times that I've watched this film is that his whole reasoning is just getting motion sickness. That's why he's wanting to do the teleportation. Like, it's such a small throwaway line, you know that you don't think about it but then you're like this round i was like oh yeah that's why he's that's wanting why he's doing it this is why he's doing it okay like i i like that like that is just very very subtle uh do we want to talk about uh ronnie's ex slash editor's uh stannis it's a fucking stalker he's abusive he's yeah, yeah. he's a horrible human being and in the fly too, he really puts on a show like he's the victim. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would probably. Oh, I've seen the fly too. I've only seen it one time, and I. It's not worth it. <laughs> I could. I. You know, it's one of those. I was a kid, and whenever it came out, so. But oh my gosh, it's it's another one that I I remember not liking him all the times that I've watched it. And so watching it now with 2023 eyes and seeing how fucking garbage he is, like, and not, yeah. Do you think we were supposed to like him in 1986? I think so. Like, I think he's he's supposed to be, you know, he's doing very hero things. Like, I mean, he does care for Ronnie. He's just fucked up and he doesn't know how to... He just I don't doesn't. even know if he cares for Ronnie. He he would like to think of himself as the hero. Therefore, he does occasionally things that might be seen as he- heroic. But, but I think in 86, we were supposed to think of him as as the hero because he's I. <sighs> I don't know if I agree, but okay. I, I accept okay. I accept your premise. Well, that's yeah, why I, I, I prefaced I, it with 86. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I kept reminding myself that this was a 1986 movie, and so there was going to be some paternalistic bullshit. There was. <sighs> I mean, he, he, he's he got that platinum level membership at the abortion clinic that they'll open up for him at 2 a.m. <laughs> that, that, like... To make that make sense economically, you've got to go again and again and again to make that like like I like that level of membership is pricey. And before like to get it to where it pays for itself, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. His punch card's been filled a couple times. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) So I'm glad you mentioned the the abortion clinic because I have uh, another adorable little a little note back into. Uh, child Kinsey here. Uh, the first time I saw this, one, I didn't realize that was that was a maggot because I didn't real, you know, <laughs> baby flies are maggots. I didn't realize that that's what she was having. I'm like, why is she having a fucking worm? But I'm also not going to ask that question out loud because you know. And then two, I didn't realize she was going to get an abortion because I didn't. You know, once again. Seeing this at probably eight to nine years old, you don't know what an abortion is. So I didn't realize this was a thing. So it's like watching it now with adult eyes. I was like, oh, oh, Ronnie. Okay. Right. I have written that dream can die in a fire. Oh, it's weird. And I knew it was a dream in my head, but I even said out loud, like, do they often gingerly stroke your head when you're getting an abortion? Because, like, literally everybody had to give her a reassuring pat in there. I'm like, I think this is like, I, I think this is all about business here, Mr. Cronenberg, who's now the uh, the uh, guy, <laughs> the, the abortion doctor. Please, can, can we can we can we just stay focused on the task at hand and if you really need someone to gingerly caress i'll keep your card and we'll see <laughs> you know of not even with this just taking this procedure out there's a small list of people i would want to gingerly stroke my hair at any <laughs> point in time when i'm not going through an abortion abortion or, or any, no, yeah. abortion or no. Uh, cronenberg is nowhere near the list <laughs> Gina Davis requested he played the role because he didn't. She didn't want a stranger playing the role of the abortionist and you know placed at the uh, the position that he was at. And he was like, okay. "Okay," he was not planning on acting in the movie. And she was like, okay, "Can we? We'll get some some sad guy in here looking up my uh, sections here, and uh, maybe maybe we have you do that, Dave." So. One thing that I love, speaking of Gina Davis, I love that she goes from this to winning an Oscar a couple years later for Accidental Tourist. Like, she goes from this to that, and it's like, good for you, Gina. Good, good well, for you. Okay, okay. All, okay. Right. All right. Gina Davis is a powerhouse. You know, she's she's a fantastic actress, and she went and made a serious effort for female action heroes you know and she she uh, and female filmmakers in general like her big work now is yeah good keep going yeah i mean she she is uh she is working hard right now to advocate for women in film yeah. in general her her film with with samuel l jackson long kiss good long night good night yeah god that's a good film it's a really good film and um but they they took gina fucking davis and she she runs around screaming and oh, I mean 
let me tell because neither of my fellow hosts have seen the original, and I'm not going to spoil the original. That I do intend to watch it someday. So yes, that's please see it soon. Yes, please. I'm asking you as a favor to me. See it soon. It's in the box set. It's up next. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil the film made in 1958 for my fellow co-hosts. Um. But the female lead in that film, um, and, I, and I'm going to preface, again, 1958, so she is still treated like a woman in 1958, um, is is brave and smart, and she does have a few moments, but she, you know, she, she is treated more like a character than Gina Davis in this film, IMO, okay? Um, she does some stuff. And um, some smart, uh, courageous things in that film. Um, she also has a few fit of hysterics, and you know. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm worried that you're going to come back at me and go, "What are you talking about, Donna?" Um, <laughs> but um, I, I guess, I guess just because I like Gina Davis so much, I found myself looking at several shots and going, "You have Gina Davis crying and being carried off helplessly." What are you doing? There, so I'm done. I think I have a very similar memories and and love for Gina Davis as you, Donna. I think for me, the reason I don't have that reaction because I know exactly what you're talking about, and I know the scenes in this film that you're talking about. I try to remember when this was made, and this was not mm-hmm. Gina Davis of Thelma and Louise. This wasn't mm-hmm. Gina Davis of A League of Their Own. This wasn't Gina Davis of Long Kiss Goodnight. This wasn't, we hadn't met her yet. She was always there. We just hadn't met her yet. So I I keep that in mind and I can separate that. But I don't disagree. I think if this had been made after, like if this had been made in the 90s, say mm-hmm. I would be a lot more visceral. Because I'm like, she just came off of fucking Thelma and Louise. What are you doing? You know, I, I, so I don't disagree, but for me, I keep the context of when it was, it came out. Okay. I understand. I do. It's, it's also the, the evolution of her as a, as a performer. I mean, she, like, she's going to be handed these kind of roles. I think she does very well with the script as presented. Yeah. Yeah. But then when she has more agency as a commodity Gina Davis movie star, she can do the Thelma and Louise's. She can do accent tour. She can do all of those things that she that she wouldn't necessarily be picked for, but that she can pick. Sure. Yeah. So I'll say one more thing, and then we can all move right. on or whatever whatever you want to do. When you watch 1958 Fly, there will be a moment when the female lead picks up a fly hand, and I want you to compare that moment. To Gina Davis holding the shotgun and sobbing and wailing. Okay. I just okay. want you to compare those two moments. Um, so yes, there. I'm I'm done with that little rant. No, that's it's valid. I yeah. I have only one other thing I want to mention, which and it's about the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love one, I love the the reveal of what was in the pod with him on the computer screen, just that slow, like, reveal 80s computer graphics, and then when you see that it's a fly, you're like, I knew it was coming. You know, Mac, you'd mentioned about the tension and still being kind of on the edge of your seat. I knew it was coming, and I'm still sitting there, like, leaning forward going, (laughs) 
what was in the pod? What, what the if pod? you know what was in the pod? <laughs> and the sentence that still is utterly terrifying to me, and I and it's such a great sentence, is a uh, fusion of Brundlefly and Telepod successful. Because once again, you don't know what's coming out of that pod. You're like, and it's just what well, I knew what was coming <laughs> out of the computer, pod. I've seen computer, it. Yeah. And the computer's like, well, that's what you wanted. Done. Here, here we go. I'm a I'm a very good computer. I I, I get uh I get a rest now, right? Because I'm a good yeah. computer. <laughs> Treat, please. Treat. <laughs> what is it, Parks and Rec? Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> uh, I had two thoughts. It actually doves, doves back into a couple subjects we already talked about. Um, we talked about the exploded baboon and how we all feel about that. But right after that is the first time Gina and uh, Jeff Goldblum do it. And I'm like, man, nothing gets Gina Davis hotter than an exploded baboon. Um they and had then to we clean talk- that up first, right? Like they would have cleaned. Yeah, <laughs> just leave leave the pulsating goo in the what? pod, and then they, they then they clean it up. And man, like, hey, these bounty paper towels are great. By the way, drop trow. We're doing this thing. I am horny. <laughs> yeah, like this is exactly my my thing. Don't kink shame me, Jeff Goldblum, but you played your cards exactly right. You didn't know you were, but you did. And, and the other question of whether or not Stathis was supposed to be likable. Uh, he has a vanity license plate. Oh, yes. And, and I've made a conclusion that anyone who has a vanity license plate, and I hope none of my podcasters do, because I don't think they do. Anyone who has a vanity license plate is morally warped <laughs> and deserving of suspicion. So, no, I don't think we're supposed to like him because he has a vanity license plate. I did have one. Did have one. Do you have one now? No. Then you're fine. I I quit I quit renewing it because people I didn't want to recognize my car recognized my car. There you go. Okay. And I decided I don't I don't want this anymore. So all right. You 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 decided that you were communicating something that you didn't necessarily want to communicate. The people that keep the vanity license plate are like, this is what I want to communicate. I have made my whole life into these several characters deal with it. Oh, <laughs> So yeah, Stathis is not a good guy. Oh. And it wasn't until this morning when I loaded up IMDB to make sure I could remember what I wanted to remember that I realized that Stathis is his first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's so been... Greek, he's got two last names for a first name. And the actor, I've never seen the actor play a nice role. He's the bad guy in Minute Work. He mm-hmm. is a skis and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead he is a murdering abusive priest in an episode of reservation dogs spoiler alert and yeah he is always he's never he's never good in anything that i've ever seen him now he maybe maybe he does play a role that i haven't seen but i see him on screen and i'm immediately suspect i was like oh i know no i don't trust you at all you're gonna you're gonna stalk me and try to and somehow get keys to my house. Like, no, no, fuck you. No. <laughs> Do we have anything else? Donna, you got anything else? Um, I have a feeling that just constantly pounding a drum of negativity gets annoying after a while. I don't know where I got that idea, but um no, I'm I'm done. We we love you, Donna. Yeah. Even if you didn't like this movie. Exactly. Like, and and that's fine, it's not your bag. I am sad you didn't enjoy it like I did because I enjoyed it a great deal and I think people should enjoy things. Yeah, I'm going to 
concur with my esteemed colleague, Macula. I, I, I take you at your word. I don't think you're uh, disliking it for disingenuous reasons. It just did not work. So Macula has our hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is chock full of quotes. For it being yep. a tight 90 minutes, it is chock full of quotes. We, we came with quotes. A tight 90 minutes, the vast majority of which are just two characters. Yeah, 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 right. And and a goodly chunk of that is just one character on his own. Yeah, figuring things out. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we, and we had some that overlapped. Uh, you know, the the Memorex line was one of them. Yeah, the first insect politician yeah. showed up on a couple. Of- so yeah, this movie is is pretty quotable. You know, of course, the iconic line: "Be afraid, be very afraid." Very afraid. The poster, uh, yeah, yeah, on the poster, which is everywhere. Like you know chef's kiss on that line but our quote is at the very least it would make a wonderful children's book (laughs) still makes me laugh oh (laughs) oh i have so many questions about the thought process but i think that's the insect brain that thinks that would be a good children's book but we're Well, he, he wants to, like, kind of homebrew his own Mr. Wizard show in the middle of this. He's like, how does Brundlefly eat? Well, kids. <laughs> I mean, total transparency. If Mr. Wizard actually th- had thrown up on the show, <laughs> I would have watched it. I'm going to tell you right now. I would have been, because I, I hated Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon. I thought he hated the children. And I'm like, why do I want to be around this negativity? But if he had opened with that... Hey, you know what? I might have watched an episode. <laughs> you, would, you would have suggested it at the library and, exactly. uh, and and brought it to the sleepover. Like, hey, have you guys seen the footage of Mr. Wizard just beefing it all over the <laughs> I would have talked about it the entire fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, Mac has a hat trick. So uh, our rule now, we do have to give an honorable mention to editor Billy on the yep. rule because he did come up with a a fantastic one, which was uh, never rush into teleportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a a pretty high contender. And the eventual rule is kind of a riff, riff on that, uh, ultimately. Uh, but because so rule, rules tricky here because several episodes of the podcast, I have come to develop what I call the Cronenberg threshold at the point at which it is stupid for a character not to seek medical attention for what's happening to them. And that comes from this film. It is simply stated as uh, if your penis falls off, you must go see a doctor. Now it did not make it as the rule of this movie quite rightly, because by the time Brundlefly's penis falls off, there would not be a doctor who would be able to help him. So then the rule becomes, don't drink and beam. <laughs> Solid advice. Yeah. Solid advice. You know, we're all about safety here on the podcast. So, and to complete the hat trick, Mac, you have got our poll. Poll was also tricky that we really trying to kind of figure out where we land on what would be interesting to discuss. Yeah. And, and it happened kind of by happenstance because we had some rules that were baboon centric and we ended up talking those out. And so then uh, the poll becomes what happened to that second baboon? Seth ate him. That was not the short answer. I thought you were going to no. say that's actually, I hadn't thought about that. Like they shipped the baboon back to him. Like, Hey, baboons. A okay. And Brundlefly's like, good. 
Oh my gosh, I hadn't. Can I have that answer too, Donna? I want to. I want to have Donna's answer because <laughs> I. I was just thinking like, yeah, he. I when you. So context, <laughs> listeners, off mic, Donna. When we're discussing this, Donna's like, my my answer is going to be short, and we're like, okay, that's fine. That's and fine. I figured, oh, the the baboon's fine. That's what I expected yeah, from Donna. Same. Not <laughs> not that he did return and yum. <laughs> That brundlefly ate him. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm changing my answer. I'm going with Donna's answer that I I think he was that he was he was that brundlefly ate him. What was your original answer, Kenzie? Then he just sent him back, and he went to live on the farm. You know where else? <laughs> the <laughs> farm, you, Kenzie. <laughs> you know he did the the thing. He's living on the farm, so that's where all uh, animals that have been researched on. That's what I thought. That it was going to happen, but no, I'm going with Donna's answer. The the lab shipped the baboon back, but it needed a signature, and Brundlefly didn't come out to sign, and so they took the package back, and he's just still at UPS. <laughs> that was pretty funny too. Just this baboon at UPS, an endless stick, a series of stickers on Br- Brundlefly's door, like, "Hey, we missed you." <laughs> love it i love it oh my gosh oh it's exactly like the end of airplane the baboon looks at his watch i'm giving him 10 more minutes <laughs> that movie takes a whole other turn now with the baboon that's what fly, the fly two should have been is the baboon finished it should have been yeah the, been Brundle's work. the baboon should have played in the fly two but no one brings up the the baboon in the fly two. Oh gosh Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Oh my gut hurts from laughing. Uh, happy place. <laughs> Who would like to go first? I I have one, but it's got to be a little bit vague for reasons. There was some, I'll say, drama mm-hmm. that happened last week. And I thought something bad was going to happen. And it has all worked out, and the bad thing is not going to happen. And I'm happy about that, that everything is going to be smooth and happy, it seems. And I'm happy about that. So if anyone who is listening knows what I'm talking about, I'm happy about that. Good. Thumbs up. And your podcasters may ask follow-up questions off mic. (laughs) (laughs) There may be that. Mac, do you want to go next? Yeah, uh, Laura had never seen The Fly, so when I popped in that Blu-ray, it's like, yeah, come on, let's watch The Fly. And she's like, oh, okay. And uh, she enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say, was she, how, how, how did that go for Laura? <laughs> uh, she, she was a little more withering and sarcastic about it, but ultimately, I think, understood the the craft of the special effects and the quality of the gold blooming all over the place. Okay. Um, so my happy place is my football team. The 49ers are going to be playing in the Super Bowl next Sunday. And I'm very happy about that. It's I knew that, that you enjoyed the 49ers and that they're going to be in the Super Bowl. (laughs) From what I understand, no one else is happy about that in the entire country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one else. And that's fine. I don't care, but I, I, I'm very very happy about it. Uh, it's, I, I like my team. How do you feel about the fact that the game is rigged so that the Chiefs will win? Uh, I know my boys, and my boys are highly and Taylor Swift did that, right? Because that's why yeah. they're upset. Yeah. Taylor Chiefs Swift involved. will 
say oh. Taylor Swift did that. And but isn't gonna... her isn't her boyfriend on on the 49ers or is no, he on the on, Chiefs? He's on the Chiefs. He's on the Chiefs. But okay, the so is, then, though... then the motivations that see this is how much I know. <laughs> but see the with the with you know my guys come from the Bay, so most of them will be you know will be fine with the conspiracy and the the Taylor pushing agenda of the vaccine equal rights all of you know. Mm-hmm. All you know, mm-hmm. go out and vote. So that's. <laughs> no, they're they're fine with it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They'll, 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 right. they'll, cool. Yeah, yeah. Most of, uh, most of them should be. Uh, I, I try not to know about politics of of all my football playing boyfriends, so it's fine. <laughs> it never works out well, no, from what doesn't. I understand. That many concussions, you come up with some funny ideas. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not good. <laughs> they, but they'll, you know, I'm just gonna stop. Uh <laughs> So uh, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and threads. We're Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Our website and Blue Sky username is beyondthecabinofthewoods.com. I am on Instagram, threads, and Blue Sky as at Callista77. I'm on Blue Sky at dragongoblin.com and on Instagram at dragongoblin. Uh, so you can, oh, there's no lie in Goblin. I'm on Blue Sky at Party Apocalypse and Spoutable at Party Apocalypse. Uh, PartyApocalypse.com, the website, has this podcast and other fine podcasts, including The Holodeck is Broken with myself, Laura Canyon, and Eris. Uh, and they also do another podcast, Disorganized, a Criminal Minds podcast, which is just the three of them. There's full runs of Friendables, two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. Uh, as the Myth Turns and The Fourth Wall, books, blogs, movie reviews, and nothing else. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound fantastic and professional. We do appreciate everything that you do. We love you, Billy. And thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us if you aren't doing so already. And don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is? <laughs> <laughs>